0: Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, as we open your holy word, we need the Holy Spirit, to illuminate these words. It's one thing to hear them, but it's entirely different for your Spirit to work and persuade us of this truth, enabling us to embrace these words for what they are, what they reveal about you and what they reveal about us. Father, no matter where we are with you, whether we are in a relationship with you that has been long-lasting, or whether we're new to the faith, or whether today we're here just out of a courtesy to a friend or family member, I pray for your calling to be made clear. I pray that we would know where we stand with you and that we would understand from your perspective, from your holy word, what it is that you want to do in our lives in order to save us and sanctify us for your glory. This we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as I said at the beginning of the service, I wish all the fathers and grandfathers a happy Father's Day. Father's Day can be a tough and bitter time too. This may be your first Father's Day without your father. Uh, Maybe you have yet a father that really was never present and it brings up painful memories. Or maybe you've been a father that has a lot of regret over the way in which you fathered and are fathering. You know, fathers get cards on days like this. Most of the time they're full of superlatives that we laugh and they're sweet, but we know the truth. What if a real scorecard was given? This is when you were really a good father and this is when you weren't. I don't know how you feel right now as that's presented, but I know in my own life, I wouldn't be very pleased. I, I wish I did so many things differently, but because of my own humanness, my own sin, my own shortcomings, my own selfishness. I fall, I do, I fall short. I fall short of loving them the way I want to love them. But I don't live in shame. I don't live in shame. Because shame is not from the Lord. Conviction is, sanctification is, shame is not. But when that that rises in me, when I realize I could have listened better, I could have disciplined better, I could have spent my time better, And that conviction is from the Holy Spirit, I actually rejoice because it means he's at work. It means that he's doing the very thing that he says he's going to do. He's making me more and more like the perfect father. He's making me more and more like our savior, Jesus. And it's called sanctification. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we see this incredible prayer that Paul offers But in order to understand it, I wanna actually start with verse 24. And it might be helpful for you to open the Blue Pew Bible in front of you if you didn't bring your own, or you can open the Bible on your your phone if that's helpful. Verse 24 is where I wanna start. It's the second part of this prayer, which is often used as a benediction or a doxology, but it's really a prayer. Verse 24, Paul says, "'He who calls you is faithful.'" He will surely do it. So I want to begin by talking about calling, he who calls you. What Paul is presenting here is what we would call effectual calling. It's when God makes himself known clearly to a person in their heart and their mind to the point that they say, I want that. I want Him. I want that salvation. Calling is something that we all experience. There's an external calling, and then there's an internal calling. This calling that Paul is referencing that God has done is a calling that begins with the Word and the work of the Holy Spirit. And what it means is that behind the scene of every person, who has ever professed faith in Jesus, in other words, behind the scene of every Christian's life is this powerful work of the Holy Spirit in effectual calling. In other words, every person who says, I am a Christian, and they really are a true Christian, they've placed their faith in Jesus, behind the scene of their life, this effectual calling has taken place. So these four children who came to be baptized this morning, who were brought to be baptized, the four in the last hour that were here to be baptized, what happened in that moment didn't save them. But what the parents are hoping for and are praying for is that at a very young age, each of those children would experience the effectual call. It is the call when the word of God is delivered and they hear it. But beyond hearing it, there is an internal work that takes place, causing them to say, I believe it. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so effectual calling always has the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit at play. Turn in your Bible to the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, as Paul is starting this short letter In verse four, he speaks about effectual calling. Verse four says, for we know brothers loved by God. So just pause for a minute there. It's Father's Day, and fathers are called to love their children. We all fall short. The best dad falls short, but not God, not Abba. Abba's love is perfect. For we know brothers loved by God your primary identity is that, a beloved child of the living God. We know, brothers, love by God that he has chosen you. Now, there's a mystery there, and it's profound, but this is what the word of God says. To think of God, the one who created everything, who knows every hair on your head, who can learn nothing about you. He loves you and has chosen you. That's amazing for who his people are. It says that he it's chosen you because our gospel, verse five, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. So what that means is that whatever time in your life, whether you have a specific day or it's more general, like I was around five, it doesn't really matter. Some of you can't remember the exact time, that's okay. But the same thing happens in every Christian. They hear the word of God, it's delivered. It might be delivered while you're in bed as a parent reads the Bible to you at night. It might be a young life leader. It might be a camp counselor. It might've been a Sunday school teacher or a BSF leader. It might've been a preacher. It might've been something you heard on the radio or on a CD, but the word of God was given. But that's not the end of effectual call. Lots of people hear the word of God, it has no effect. But for those who are his children, there is behind the scenes a work that takes place when the Holy Spirit causes a heart that was dead spiritually to begin to beat. Ears began to open. Eyes began to see. And suddenly that invisible work of the Spirit is at play. And an individual, whether they're five, and they say, Mommy, I want to pray that prayer. Or they go to their VBS line leader and say, I want to trust Jesus. Or they say to their young life counselor, something's wrong with me. And he tells them what it is, and he gives them the gospel. That's effectual call. It's the word of God being proclaimed, just as the disciples were proclaiming it, along with the Holy Spirit's powerful work of illumination. It's that way all the time. Even now, when we hear over in the Middle East of Muslims having dreams about Jesus. They seek someone out who the Lord then provides that gives them something of the Word of God that matches what they've seen in this dream. And the Word and Spirit are at work once again. God's means of saving His people, of calling His people, always involve the Word and the Spirit's work. Another place where Paul says this in this little letter is in 1 Thessalonians 2. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 13. Paul continues, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So whenever you profess faith in Jesus... Or if today is the day in this sanctuary and you say it was June 16th, 2019, it's because the word of God was proclaimed and something was happening inside you. That was the work of the Holy Spirit that enabled you to believe. This is called effectual calling. In our church, we have adopted a system of doctrine called the Westminster Confession of Faith And the Westminster Confession of Faith has something called the larger and shorter catechisms, which simply answer questions that are helped to teach children the truth of the gospel. Well, those things which are good at teaching children are good for us to learn as well as adults. And this is an answer to the question, what is effectual call? Listen to this incredible statement. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit— So it's the Holy Spirit. We celebrated Pentecost last week. We continue to celebrate the Holy Spirit every week. He's at work in us. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, He doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. That's a mouthful, but let me explain. The Holy Spirit's work is the work of illumination. Without the illuminating work of the Spirit, you could never see the Word of God for what it is. Without the illuminating work of the Spirit, you would never believe. But this Spirit is at work. And what happens in the life of an individual is they suddenly say, I'm missing something. There's something wrong with me. I have acquired so much, yet I still feel so empty. My life is somewhat meaningless. This is the word that the writers of the catechism used, calling it sin and misery. There is a discontent. In my own journey of effectual calling, I remember going up to my Young Life leader and I simply said, something is wrong with me. I didn't know what, because everything looked like it was right but it was the Spirit of God at work behind the scenes in my heart, setting me at a place where I would hear the truth. The word would be declared, and then my heart would be moved by what I heard, and then I was, as the language says here, persuaded and enabled to embrace Jesus. For every Christian, whether they would use words like this or not, that is what has happened from the very beginning until Christ returns, that effectual call is going to take place. It takes place when a five-year-old says to his mom, I wanna pray that prayer. When one of the 18 high school students who came to Christ two weeks ago on the Florida trip, suddenly they hear the word, but it sounds different. Suddenly they feel and think differently about themselves. Something's moving deep within them that makes them say to one of their leaders, I need Jesus. The man who led me to Christ came to Christ watching the Billy Graham crusade on TV. Why? Because he wanted to learn how to be a good speaker. His wife was praying for his salvation for five years. Behind the scenes, that's how God did it. You're rising in your career. You're standing before hundreds and thousands of people. You need to learn how to speak. He didn't believe in Jesus but he knew a man who could speak really well about Jesus. And he fell on his knees and professed faith in Christ. We pray for these little ones who are baptized today that would happen at a young age. But I will never forget when I had the privilege of leading an 85 year old woman to Christ who had come to see her grandchild, who was at a conference in San Diego that I was speaking at. About 1,000 high school and middle school students were there. It was the fourth night. It was my last talk. I'm declaring the wonder of God's word in Jesus Christ going to the cross. The invitation was then given for all who were, not in their words, being affectionately called to come forward. Hundreds did. It was powerful. When it was over, one of the leaders said, there's an individual that wants to talk to you. I assumed it was an 18-year-old or a 12-year-old, but it wasn't. It was a woman in her middle, middle, mid-80s. And I went to her and I said, hi. She smiled and she said, I want you to know that I grew up going to church. And I can't recall many Sundays that I missed. So think about that. That's maybe 80 years worth of Sundays. And she said, but I'd never heard that about Jesus. Is it because it wasn't preached? Possibly. But even if it was, the eternal, and sorry, the internal work of the Spirit had not opened her eyes, and her ears to see. In a church like ours, or any church where the generations are present, that could be possible. And I, I admired God so much that night for giving this woman the courage in this season of her life to step out into an aisle and to walk down with hundreds of other children. Why did she do it? Because behind the scenes, at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And she professed faith in Jesus. Let me give you one other example. About 10 years ago, my wife said to me, you need to get in shape. And I said, you're right, I do. I have a lot of, I have a high metabolism. My diet's not great, but I'm not that heavy, but you're right. And so I tried and it didn't go very well. So I got a trainer. My trainer's name was Jason. And he began to train me. If you've ever been through that, you, you have a love-hate relationship with your trainer. It starts with hate and then it ends in love, usually. So Jason began to train me and I had really not taken fitness seriously probably since 1985. And then I saw the results and I felt better, but there was a problem. He had never asked me what I did for a living. And I don't tell people unless they ask. And sometimes if it's early in the relationship, I avoid the conversation, change the subject. I don't want walls to go up immediately when they find out I'm a pastor. People become different people when they find out you're a pastor. He didn't ask. Three weeks in, finally he says, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, actually I I let him finish spotting me first. Then I said, (laughs) I'm a pastor. And he let out an explicitive. And then he said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, that's okay if that's how you talk, and I know you do, because I've been with you for three weeks already. (laughs) Just be you. And he was, but he got nervous. And for the next two or three weeks, it wasn't the same. He was nervous. Finally, he said, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I said, that's okay. I didn't ask you to be my spiritual mentor or guide. I want you to get me in physical shape. He goes, just so, just so we're clear, I don't want you to you know, preach that stuff to me. I said, I won't. Agitation, illumination, behind the scenes of every conversion, the Spirit of God is at work. And two or three weeks later, we go to lunch. Remember Good Eats just down the street? I know Bill does. He was there all the time. <laughs> I had the privilege of leading this young man to Christ. It involved the word of God and it involved the powerful work of the spirit. That's what God does. It's what he might be doing right now in your life. But to what end? It's not just so you can have salvation forever in the presence of Jesus. It's also that you may become like Jesus. And so in the first part of this prayer, back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Paul begins his prayer saying, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a bold prayer. But remember, God is able from last week. He's able he then says, he who calls you as faithful, he will surely do it. He will surely do what? He will surely sanctify you. Sanctify means to make holy, to be set apart. And for anyone who has experienced the effectual call of Christ in their life, for anyone who has had that illuminating work when you, you felt this agitation, this emptiness, this sense that something is wrong, I need something more. And then the illumination of the Holy Spirit says, and this more is Jesus, and it's only Jesus. And you say, I believe that. That same Spirit is now going to make you, day by day, more and more like Jesus until you die or until He calls you home. And then you move into perfect glory. What is sanctification? It's a work, it's a work of God's grace where we partner with the Holy Spirit by availing ourselves of His means, His word, His prayer, prayers to Him, the sacraments like we witnessed this morning in the Lord's Supper, as well as fellowship. I'm struck by how quickly Paul speaks about the sanctifying work in the lives of these believers. He says in chapter 1, verse 6, after talking about the word and work in their lives, chapter 1, verse 6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. He then speaks about this sanctification in chapter 4, verse 1, go there. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Every person who has experienced the effectual call of God, who is in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit is now doing that sanctifying work in you making you more and more like Jesus. He is faithful, he will do it. Verse three of chapter four then goes on to say, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And when we are being sanctified, being made more and more like Jesus, our lives are bearing fruit as Christ said they would. And when our lives bear fruit, John 15, Jesus says, It brings the Father glory. He says, Jesus, our Savior, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, so proving to be my disciples. And so the effectual call takes effect. The sanctifying work, us being made like Jesus, takes place. And the faithfulness of God to do it isn't just received in a word, it's received in a work. It's received in a witness. And so the witness is this, fathers, you are not perfect and you never will be until you die and go to be with him in heaven or he returns. But if you're in Christ, let me tell you something about being a father. In Christ Jesus, you are the perfect father for your children. I wouldn't say that if I didn't say in Christ Jesus first. In Christ Jesus, you are the perfect grandfather for your grandchildren. In Christ Jesus, we are given everything we need to be the men that he has called us to be. Just as every woman in Christ is being made like their savior too. He who has called you his own, his beloved, is faithful. He will surely do it. And what that means is that he's able and he's doing it. God's word and work are happening right now. And when you read a small letter like this, and the small letter brings up issues like sexual immorality, selfishness, lack of love, lack of forgiveness, pride, self-righteousness. And the Spirit brings those things to bear on your heart and soul. It's the same illuminating work. The enemy is engaged quickly, too, to take you to places of shame or self-improvement. But that's not the gospel. The gospel takes you to a place of faith and surrender. It takes you to the place of whatever the Spirit convicts you of, where you know your life doesn't look like one worth following. You know it's a life you don't want others to imitate, especially not in that area, Where the Spirit says, let me, along with the power I give you, wage war on that. And your confidence, my friends, is not to be in your flesh. It's not to be in your faithfulness, but in his. The one who says he's faithful. The one who says he will do it. And so anything that the Spirit prompts in your heart and mind that needs to be put to death, that needs to be battled against, take it to the cross. And there at the cross of Jesus, you see the most profound display of love ever demonstrated. Abba sends his own son to die the death that you and I deserve to die after living the life that we could never live. All who trust in Jesus Christ for that word and work are saved for all eternity, but more. They're promised the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to start now, making them more and more and more like Jesus. He is at work in you if he has called you. And he's not going to stop until he's finished. Father in heaven, we rejoice that you have called us your own. It's very possible today, Lord, that there are some who entered not knowing you. And I pray, God, that you would make your effectual call, very present and real even now, that there would be a stirring, an agitation, a misery, a discontent that would cause them to see that there is one that it's worthy to surrender our life to. There is only one who can save us, only one who can fill that hole, that vacuum. Lord, I pray that you would minister to them in such a way now that they would simply pray the sinner's prayer, asking you to forgive them of their sins, asking you to cover them in your righteousness, asking you to rescue them, that they might live with you for all eternity. If that is you, dear friend, pray that simple prayer now and know that you are bearing witness to the effectual work of the Holy Spirit even now. Lord, for those who've come today with the strong assurance of their salvation in you, would you remind us of all that you have done and all that you are doing to save us and to sanctify us, making us more and more like Jesus. And would you ready us, dear Lord, for the day of Christ's return, when we will see him face to face. And you res- would you receive all of us for your glory's sake. Whole change, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.